If you were here last week, Keith let you know that Dave is on vacation, so you had Keith last week, me this week, and our youth pastor, Odie, um, I negotiated with him to do a little two-part series with me, so you'll hear from him next week, and we're going to talk about loving your neighbors in practical ways. Um, Before I jump in, I wanted to let you know that I read a couple books so far this summer, and they've really energized me and excited me about loving other people and loving your neighbor. And in some ways, they even changed my thinking about what that looks like and how um, I overcomplicated a lot, and it can really be pretty easy. So I recommend those books to anyone, and if you're interested in finding out what they are and you don't want to take notes, we have an app. Um, the Uversion app is what we use. The logo's up there on the screen. It's a free download on any device. You can find it on uh, any app store that you may use. And once you log in there, um, you can find us, click on events and search for us by either zip code or CCC Duncannon. Um, There's a list of books in there that I recommend to anyone that loves Jesus and comes in contact with other people. So if that's you, I encourage you to check those out. There's also notes in there and Bible verses. You can take your own notes. Um, You can see how much longer there is for me talking today, if you've got big plans after the service, you can follow along. But we use it every week, so it really is a great resource. Um, so before we jump in, let's pray. God, I just thank you for every single person here this morning. Um, I thank you for loving us unconditionally, for loving us with um, all of the, the strengths that you gave us, but even in our weaknesses. And I just ask that as we talk through this and look at um, your word and how you tell us to love other people, Lord, that... Um, we would just seize the opportunities that you give us. In your name we pray, amen. So a few weeks ago, my family and I went to the beach. And the beach is one of two of my favorite places in the world. The second is Disney, if you're taking notes. Um, But my son, Zane, he's five. That's him up there. Um, He's a beach bum, like his mom. And like any good five-year-old boy, he is drawn to the sand and to the ocean, even when it's a balmy 58 degrees. He just wants to jump in and swim. But he also loves to collect seashells. Now, some kids, when they go looking for shells, they want the biggest shell or something very unique, something to add to their collection that they don't have, but not Zane. Zane is an equal opportunity shell collector. Doesn't matter if it's broken, if it has a hole, if it's just a little tiny sliver, he wants them all. Um, He's a a little bit of a shell hoarder in that way, but uh, (laughs) he, he wants everything. So one morning we were walking on the beach And he's picking up shells, and I'm shoving them in my pocket and in my little bag that I had and running out of room very quickly. And um, everything he sees, he's picking up. And then he stops, and he's really examining something in the sand. And I'm just really praying it's not a dead crab that he wants me to stick in my pocket along with everything else. But he turns and looks at me with the biggest smile on his face, and he holds up this tiny little sliver of a shell and says, Mommy, look at this beauty. I'm like, yeah, buddy, that's... It sure is something special. (laughs) And as we kept walking, he kept finding more and more of these little, tiny, broken pieces of shells and was telling me how awesome they were and how beautiful they were. So as I'm shoving my pockets and I'm thinking about how much I just want to empty all of them onto the sand and go do something else, I was also thinking that I really needed a good opener for this morning and this could work out. And I started to think that I was ready to throw away all of these broken pieces that I had. But Zane saw something special in each one. They were each unique to him. They each had a purpose. Some were shark teeth. 
One was even a piece of a T-Rex tooth that had broken off after a fight with a triceratops. It's very specific. Um, but they were all special to him. And that's how God sees you and me. Every person in here, whether you've been going to church your whole life or you're just checking out this Jesus thing or you're somewhere in between, God looks at you and he thinks, wow, look at that beauty. I made that. I made that for a purpose and for a reason. And I made that for something great. It doesn't matter if you feel broken, if you feel like you've been tossed around in the ocean or you just lost a battle to a T-Rex. God looks at you and sees perfection in who you are. And if you don't take anything else away from today, I hope that you leave knowing that and feeling that and understanding that. But God doesn't stop there. When he created us, he created us for a relationship with him. And he wants us to grow more in him and use us as a catalyst to help other people do the same. Dino Rizzo is the outreach pastor at Church of the Highlands and the author of Serve Your City, one of those books that I mentioned. And he reminded me that the deeper you dive into the love of Jesus, his love flows out in bigger, deeper, wider, and more specific ways. In other words, the more you experience the love of Jesus, the more you explore how he cares for you, and the more you explore why he created you, that overflows into everything you do and how you spend your time and how you love other people. The more you experience Jesus, the more you become like him. Dino Rizzo also states, from the earliest pages of the Bible, God instructed his people to care for orphans, widows, the poor, and the immigrants. Today we might add single moms, addicts, the elderly, the homeless, women who have been trafficked, and other vulnerable groups. I'm sure you can probably think of your own examples to add to that list. But the more we learn about Jesus, we can see that he deeply cared for the sick and the hungry and the poor and the marginalized. In fact, his whole life in ministry was a show and tell for us that we can follow and how we love others. There's a story in the Bible where a guy asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Now, this wasn't just any guy. This guy was a Pharisee, a religious leader. And the Bible describes him as an expert of the law. So he knew the code that Jews were supposed to live by and follow when they followed God. So this guy knew the commandments inside and out. Now maybe he was just trying to set Jesus up, as the Pharisees often did. Or maybe he was looking for a loophole for himself, that he could do something quick and be good with God. But when Jesus answered him, he gave him a loaded answer, but it also sets up our purpose and our plan. Jesus tells us this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think sometimes we look at these as two different ideas, two points on a checklist that we can check off as we continue to grow with God. But I don't think Jesus accidentally put those together. I don't think Jesus did anything accidentally. I think he knew that we couldn't really love God if we didn't love the people that God surrounded us with too. So how do we do that? How do we love our neighbor? We do it best by modeling Jesus. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now before I tell you how to do this, I'll give you a um, three-step process later. He said that's the outline for a good sermon. Um, but first I'm going to tell you what not to do. If a friend posts on Facebook 
that her grandmother passed away. And you comment thoughts and prayers, and that's it. That's not being the hands and feet of Jesus. Or if you post hashtag praying for insert the town of the latest act of violence and go on with your life, that's not being the hands and feet of Jesus. Now hear me out. Prayer is the most powerful tool in your arsenal that you have when you follow Jesus. But as Peter Parker's wise Uncle Ben reminded him, we're really into Marvel at my house right now, with great power comes great responsibility. If you're just telling someone that you're going to pray for them, but you're not actually on your knees crying out to God and petitioning on their behalf, you're not being the hands and feet of Jesus. Another example, if your friend tells you that he's struggling and he can't afford new clothes for his kids when it's time to go back to school, and you just pat him on the head and say, it'll be okay, God will provide, God always provides, and you leave it at that, it's not being the hands and feet of Jesus. Talk is cheap when it's not backed up by action. This isn't a new thing. James tells us this in chapter 2 of his book. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. 1 John 3.18 also says, Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. So instead of just commenting thoughts and prayers, it's okay to say that. There's nothing wrong with telling people that you're going to pray for them, but actually pray for them. And then do something more. Take your friend dinner. Show up at the funeral. Let them know you have their back. Offer to do some laundry or clean their toilets while they're busy making arrangements for a family member. If a friend has a health issue, offer to go to a doctor's appointment and hold their hand in the waiting room. Call them after the appointment's over and ask them how they're feeling, not just how did it go. If your friend's struggling financially, don't just tell them that God's going to provide. Go buy a gift card and be the way that God provides. If you can't do that alone, get some other friends and buy a gift card together. We're best when we operate in a community. But this is how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. But I have another word of caution. Being the hands and feet of Jesus isn't all about action either. There are a lot of people that do a lot of really great things. There are hundreds of organizations that help a lot of people, but they have nothing to do with Jesus. So what's the difference? Nobody said the answer yet. Two services. I hope you know Jesus is the answer. Jesus is what makes a difference. This is what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if all I do is post thoughts and prayers and I don't do anything else, I'm just another post lost in the newsfeed. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. This is the difference. Being the hands and feet of Jesus is putting the unmatchable, redeeming, grace-filled love of Jesus into action. And when we're the hands and feet of Jesus, people will do more than just feel good when we're done. We'll do more than just pat them on the head and send them on their way. We walk through them, walk with them through whatever life may bring them. So now I'm going to give you this three-step process, three practical steps. And the first is step out of your comfort zone. 
Loving others, it can seem like it's an easy thing to do. You can check off your list, give some money, um, donate some items like the Bethesda Drive we just did, and those are all really great things. They're really important things, and they help ministries within our church or outside of our church help a lot of people. But if that's all you're doing, you're just scratching the surface of loving others. Jesus gravitated toward the widows and the orphans, the prostitutes and the addicts, the homeless and the hopeless. And if you're all in for Jesus, you've got to be all in for his people too. Bob Goff is the author of Love Does and Everybody Always, two other books that I read. And he has these fascinating stories of just living a life full of love. But he says this, Jesus wants us to love everybody always and start with the people who creep us out. The truth is, we probably creep them out as much as they do us. So who creeps you out? You probably have an image in your head of somebody. But what I mean is, who really intimidates you when it comes to being the hands and feet of Jesus? Maybe it's the guy behind you when you're waiting to buy your lunch, covered in tattoos and piercings. Maybe it's a homeless guy you pass on your way to work. Or it's your coworker who's always complaining about something. Maybe it's the old man across the street who yells at you every time you breathe on his roses. Or it's that punk kid that always runs through your yard after you just put fresh seed down. Maybe it's the lady that counts her change at the grocery store, scanning through her items to see what she can put back if she doesn't have enough money. Or the guy standing behind you that smells like he hasn't showered in quite some time. These are the people that you may want to roll your eyes at. Maybe you want to tap your foot and check your watch because they're throwing off your plans and holding you up. Maybe they're people that you want to cross to the other side of the street and not make eye contact. The people that just wear you down and you just don't have time to deal with. Have you ever stopped to consider how Jesus sees those people? He sees them the same way he sees you. He looks at them and says, wow, look at that beauty. That beauty that I created and I made for a purpose. So how can we best love them? You don't need to pull out your Bible and start quoting scripture. You don't need to write down all of the wonders of the universe that God did. You just need to see them and be with them and let them know that they matter. Because maybe that homeless guy, maybe he needs more than a sandwich. Maybe he needs someone to walk with him and navigate the process to get some help. And maybe you're not that person. You don't know the process either. But maybe you walk together and you find someone who can help. Or maybe that old man across the street that just needs to relax about the roses. Maybe they're all he has left to remind him of his wife after she died. And he just needs a friend. Someone to hold his hand and let him know that he still matters, even though he lost his other half. We have a thrift store in Duncannon called Feels Like Home. If you've ever strolled through Duncannon, you will see a lot of these people and then some that I described. Um, and a lot of those people wander into the thrift store at one point or another. But those that volunteer there regularly know that selling items is not only what the store is about. That's important. That helps us do a lot in our community. But it also drives the volunteers out of their comfort zone to connect with people that might creep them out if they met them anywhere else. But those are the people that Jesus gravitated towards. For truly being the hands and feet of Jesus, we should be a reflection of him. That when people meet us, they see him or maybe see what heaven might be like. To put it simply, God wants me to love the ones I don't understand and get to know their names, to invite them to do things with me. That can be a really scary thing, but that's really all there is to it. So when you practice this, when you practice stepping out of your comfort zone, 
you get to know people, and you might just make a new friend. That's part two of this puzzle. I mentioned Feels Like Home because I've seen the volunteers there go from step one, stepping out of their comfort zone, to making some friends. There was a lady that lived next to the thrift store when it first opened, who was actually pretty vocal about not wanting the store to open. There was some rumor going around that the police were on the third floor of the building, spying on people in town. It was traced back to her. I don't, I don't know exactly what was behind all of that, but she wasn't a big fan of the store. But she spent a lot of time there, probably just to keep an eye on things. She also didn't know Jesus very well. So our volunteers warmly welcomed her, they talked to her, they listened to her stories, they got to know her better, and she told them in one of these conversations that her son was being released from jail and he needed a bed. We can do a bed. In the grand scheme of everything, the bed was the easy part. But because we continued to listen and continued to talk and continued to help her, fast forward a few months and this lady who was once skeptical of us being there was now one of our biggest advocates. She was telling everybody about the store, defending the store from others who weren't sure about us. And our volunteers built trust in her, and they continued to show her that she was important and she mattered, and they eventually invited her to church on Christmas Eve. And do you know what held her back? It wasn't that she was nervous to come to church, that she thought lightning would strike her, the building would burn down. She was worried because she didn't have anything to wear. See, she already saw the church in action through these volunteers. She saw Jesus through each one of them. But she didn't think that she had anything that was good enough. Now, we're a come-as-you-are type place. It really doesn't matter to us what you show up in. But to make her feel more comfortable, one of our volunteers even let her borrow a shirt so she could come and be with everyone else at Christmas time. Fast forward again, and this woman relocated out of Duncannon. You might think that would be the end of the story. But because our volunteers stepped out of their comfort zone and eventually built a friendship. They not only helped her move, but they visit her a couple times a year. They eat Thanksgiving dinner with her because she lives alone, and she checks in on the phone from time to time. This is what being the hands and feet looks like, but it can really be that simple. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take any special skills, any special training. It just takes your time and your willingness to be with people, to invite someone along with you and find what they love to do, and do it with them. Imagine this, there's a family that lives down the street from you. It's a single mom who works, works two jobs to make ends meet, and her preteen son. He's always skateboarding, it's his favorite thing to do. And he probably ends up skateboarding in places he shouldn't be. Instead of yelling at him to be more careful, or calling his mom and ratting him out, and giving her one more thing to deal with, go talk to him. Tell him to show you one of his tricks. If you're really brave, ask them to teach you one. Try it out for yourself. But don't just do it once. Go back the next day and do it again. And while you're watching him, ask him how his day's going. Ask him about school or his teacher or his friends or the band on his shirt. Go watch a YouTube video about skateboarding and tell him what you learned. He'll probably roll his eyes at you, but anybody that knows teenagers know that that's a sign that they care and they love you. They appreciate what you're doing. It's just how they show it. <laughs> but show him that you're really interested in what he's doing. You might be surprised what he starts telling you because you continually showed up in his life. And that's the third piece. Be present. When I started working here at Cornerstone, I was our youth director. And we had an agreement with all of our kids, particularly during small group time. 
They could say anything they wanted, and we wanted them to open up and feel comfortable talking to us, and we would keep it confidential if we could. But there are some times when we have to bring other people into a situation. And if that happened, we would let them know, and we would walk with them every step of the way. We would be present for them. Sometimes those situations ended up confessing something to a parent or in the principal's office. Sometimes they ended up at a hospital or a police station. I've showed up at all of those places on more than one occasion. But my calendar was also full of sporting events and musicals and recitals because I cared about them and I wanted them to know what was important to them was important to me. I remember one time coming home from a trip and I got a call from one of our students that his mom had been taken to the hospital and he didn't know if she was going to be okay. My first thing I said to him wasn't, let me pray for you. I was praying. I was praying really hard with all I had for his mom and that kid. But my first thing that I said to him was, what hospital and what room? I'll come and be there with you. I'll sit with you. There was another situation where we needed to involve the police. And I became on a first-name basis with one of the detectives in Newport until the situation was resolved. But in those moments, there's nowhere else I would have rather been because it's exactly where Jesus was in those moments too. One of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. You hear it a lot at Christmas, and it means God with us. Bob Goff says, I think that's what God had in mind, for Jesus to be present and to just be with us. But it's also what he has in mind for us when it comes to other people. Just be together. So what's next for us to do? In her book, Turquoise Table, Kristen Schell shares a quote from theologian Francis Schaeffer that I'm going to pass on to you. He says, don't start with a big program. Start personally and start in your home. I dare you. I dare you in the name of Jesus Christ. So Cornerstone, I not only dare you this morning, I double dog dare you in the name of Jesus to go do something Go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm going to give you a really easy way to start. Take a look around the room. You can do it now. I know that's not allowed in church, but I'm giving you permission. Look around. Do you see someone you don't know? Go introduce yourself after the service. Invite them to lunch. Maybe not today because we have a meeting after church, but make plans for next week or maybe sometime during the week. Who knows? You might just make a new friend. Or you can start at home. Have dinner with your family and really listen when they're telling you about their day. Don't check your email on your phone or mentally go through your to-do list while you're talking or try to rush away from the table to finish some chores you didn't get done. Really listen and be present for them. That's one I struggle with a lot. Or when you see someone post something on Facebook, you can pray for them. Definitely pray for them, but call them too. Tell them you're bringing dinner over. You don't have to make a full spread. Stop at the hibachi truck and take something along. If a coworker's having a rough day and just missed a deadline, take them a fresh cup of coffee and ask how you can help instead of secretly being happy that you now look better to them, to your boss, than they do. Or if a neighbor has a baby, take them coffee and breakfast. Two things new moms don't have a lot of time for. Even better, take it again in six months when the new baby stuff has worn off and nobody's taking her breakfast anymore and she's had the same yoga pants on for a week. <laughs> Happens. But be present for them as they adapt to these changes in their life. There's a card on your chair or a chair around you with some of these reminders. But I want to challenge you to go one step further. Be the hands and feet of Jesus 
every day in every way that you can. But then let us celebrate with you. Let us celebrate as we start to transform the people around us and our families and our communities with the love of Christ. There's a hashtag on there. It's your move cornerstone. You can post it on Facebook or Instagram. If it's something private, you can send us a message and we'll figure out how to secretly celebrate it without blowing your cover. But wherever your place to start is, just do it. There's a whole world out there that's waiting for you to love them like Jesus and show them a glimpse of heaven. So now it's your move to do something. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your perfect example of love and for loving us even when we're broken and messy and we don't always do the things that we should. Lord, if there is anyone here today that doesn't know your love, I ask that you would not only show them, but you would use their friends and their family to reinforce it to them and show them who you are. Lord, I ask that you give us the courage to step out of your comfort zone and be with your people. See them like you see them and love them like you love them. Let us shine your light to our families, our friends, and our neighbors so they can see you through us. In your name we pray. Amen.